What it do, what it do, what it do, 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 baby. We're back here because we have no choice. We're in this together. We're stuck. We have to go to work. We have bills. We have responsibilities. Although today I did see an email about going to sports school. What is sports school? It's, I mean, it's clearly where you learn to squirt, but there is a school for this. Are people actually signing up? You ever see these crazy spam emails and be like, hmm, and my life is so tiring and and I just be like, man, I should have been a squirt school instructor. I mean, what does that even pay? You know what I mean? You <laughs> see these crazy emails you get like in your spam. It's just Mines are crazy. I don't know. Maybe I got some perverts email me. I don't know, but it's just being crazy stuff out there. But it is a crazy news day. I would say that Marjorie Taylor Greene held up a picture of Hunter Biden getting a blowy, a blowjob today um, in the White House. Interesting. Uh, let's see if they have the audio of this suspicious activity report showing that victim one the the woman that was paid for prostitution that traveled from california to washington dc paid for by hunter biden this is an excerpt from a sars report that we've read in the treasury and i think you all have looked at these two showing that victim one was supposedly an employee of a wasco um but but i would like to point out this is not really what most paralegals do Um, sorry, I guess the All right, Congresswoman Green joins me now. It's good to have you back on. Uh, your, your five minutes today were, were very compelling. I think everybody saw it. Um, I, I think what you highlighted today just furthers the proof that the DOJ was really out to protect Hunter Biden when it became clear that Joe was the man that they needed to oust Donald Trump, and they sure had to cover up for a lot. That's right, Rob. And I, I only had five minutes uh, for my questioning and testimony there on the Oversight Committee today. I really could have used 30 minutes because the truth that the American people need to know is that this investigation did not start recently. It actually started in November of 2018. These IRS whistleblowers are so brave and courageous. They're trying to bring forward the truth for the American people that the Department of Justice is refusing to prosecute the son uh, of the President of the United States. But what they've already told us, um, they told us on the Ways and Means Committee, and they've also told us today, that Hunter Biden was paying for prostitutes um, through his law firm, Owasco, which you can't, and then he was writing it off, writing off uh, business expenses, prostitute payments. And if any regular American were to do anything like that through their business or their LLC, they would be in jail, but not Hunter Biden. No, and and again, just to, to clarify my position on this, Hunter did a lot of stuff you know, but there's a lot more to it than just what Hunter was involved in. We're going to get to that in a second. But before we get there, um, you talked a lot about the Man Act uh, this afternoon. For, for people that don't know, explain w- what it is that, that, that you say happened here with Hunter and this money. 
Well, the Mann Act is, it's, it's, it's against the law. And so a violation of the Mann Act is paying for prostitution. It's human trafficking across state lines. And I have in my lap right here, I don't know if you guys can see it, yeah. but this is the graphic that I showed in the oversight committee. And it shows the airline ticket that Hunter Biden bought for one of these victims. These are victims of his. Right. And he bought her this plane ticket and she traveled from California to Washington, D.C. She wasn't here. She was here barely 24 hours. Yeah. And then she was sent back. Right. And that was uh, for prostitution. And that's, that is a perfect example of a violation of the Mann Act. Yeah. The Department of Justice cannot hide this anymore. Yeah, no, and, and, and we know why they're concealing it. And, and as I just said, more important, even more important than what we're seeing of Hunter's activity uh, is the evidence that these whistleblowers were prevented from looking at and from following evidence that would lead them to Joe Biden. Because the DOJ, I, I believe, was clearly aware that, that their hero, the man that they thought could remove Trump from the government and return power to our unelected bureaucracies and return power to the DOJ, uh, was also, unfortunately, their hero was unfortunately just an inconveniently a corrupt traitor to the country. And so they had to prevent any anyone from moving down these avenues that were going to lead to the president. So when, when Ziegler or when Chapley saw something, it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is evidence that they took in millions and that, you know, that, that Biden may have done something, that the vice president may have done something to earn those millions from these nefarious actors and from China and from these corrupt people in Ukraine and Romania, they were blocked from going down those avenues. To me, that is, is the biggest part of this story because it affects every single person in this country because it affects our policy and the idea that, that Biden was selling out, you know, our policy to China. That's right. And that, that's the definition of a two-tier justice system, what you just laid out. But I want everyone to know, Shapley and Ziegler had actually gotten a long way. And they stumbled upon finding uh, Hunter Biden's uh, uh, involvement in prostitution, involvement in making pornography back in November of 2018, when they were actually doing a side investigation into a foreign amateur porn company. And that's where they found Hunter Biden. So this is shocking. And this is actually the evidence that I believe the American people deserve to see. Because when the American people can see this evidence as uncomfortable as it was for me to show it on the oversight committee today, I believe that's how they can hold this government accountable. And the Department of Justice is politically motivated. This is a weaponized Department of Justice. They're protecting Hunter Biden yeah. uh, and not prosecuting crimes that he's committed. Uh, they're hiding, they're protecting Joe Biden, especially, especially with the payments from foreign countries, foreign nationals, foreign governments directly to the Biden crime family. Yeah. And they're covering the entire thing up. And I believe they're going after President Trump now at a rate that's that's historical. And that's because they're they're trying to keep that in the news cycle yeah. uh, while they try to cover up Biden's crimes. It's, it's blatantly clear what's happening right now. They're throwing everything uh, you know, but the kitchen sink at, at former President Trump uh, and letting all this go uh, on the other side. Congresswoman, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. This is also a suspicious activity report. So that was crazy that, that <laughs> I mean, like the, I said, the hold, woman on, that hold on, hold on. That uh, she literally had, um, like I said, a whole screenshot of Hunter getting a blowy. And I mean, listen, 
the lady's very my marjorie taylor green is very cray cray but i do i do think it's something to uh everything that is going on with with that family um something ain't right and speaking of of this stuff so when i reported on the girl carly uh russell I was already kind of side-eyeing the whole situation and you know that's why I said you know it, it, it was weird and, and now it's come out that yeah she possibly definitely lied but she gonna stick to this lie y'all she gonna stick to this lie and it's kind of sad because a lot of people were upset were you know worried and to come to find out that this was not what it att- appeared to be is just crazy and it sucks for actual victims that have went through stuff um it <laughs> let me play all this funny video this one girl because she kind of like summarizes what everybody was feeling about carly because i mean a lot of people were up in arms they were upset yeah so let's play this video here Carly Russell. Carly, bitch, you was lying this whole motherfucking time. You got me on here acting like I'm Oprah Winfrey, ho. Bitch, I done peeled off every single one of my lashes, ho, because I'm so stressed out about you, bitch. I'm talking about I keep watching the highway footage. I just swell up and down. A midget got you in a headlock, bitch. But that's really you going in your backseat to get the snacks from Target, bitch. Bitch, I done called my grandma about you, ho. I done told my grandma to create a prayer circle for you. I really was worried. Then you done stole from your fucking job. You done put the money in your sock. Bitch, you done rolled up to your mama's house butt-ass naked, but you got some money in your sock. Some of the kidnappers gave it to me. So the kidnappers gave you a parting gift. This is why they don't believe us when we be missing, bitch. It's really people out here that need fucking help and you wasting our time because you trying to make a nigga mad. You finna piss me the fuck off, Carly. I really made a video about this shit. I don't be speaking on nothing, but I spoke on your lying ass. And you had to be from Birmingham, too listen she i mean she ain't lying though a lot of people was worried about you carly and you really kind of played us to the left you played us to the left and you know unfortunately a lot of black uh, women are missing and stuff like that and so for her to do that was not cool carly it was not cool miss ma'am not at all um but yeah y'all i thought it was funny but that's just me uh let's see here what else do we have in the news carly she's gonna stick to this lie though and the cheeses that she swore these people fed her it is just bad uh let's see what else is going on this uh tiktok creator is still going viral from making her virtual coins this is where our society is right now to where people can pretend to be AIs and make all kind of money from just, uh, she literally takes a flat iron and pops a popcorn uh, kernel and she's making like 2000 extra dollars a month. And here I am busting my hump every day and I can just plug in a flat iron and pop popcorn and act like a freaking robot. This is the life we live in. Um... The dude that went to North Korea yesterday, he is still there. I think that's going to be his new home. At this point, Carly should have went to North Korea because, you know, ain't no coming back from this, Carly. I don't know how you going to... Either you might have to go ahead and 
uh, go to counseling, something to show that you are remorseful for this. Um, let's see. Astronomers report the discovery of what could be two planets sharing the same orbit around their star. They say it's the strongest evidence yet of this bizarre cosmic parent. Listen, you guys eat this stuff up because we don't know anything anymore. The wife of a New York architect charged with the killings of three women whose remains were found in Long Island Beach more than a decade has filed for divorce. You think? I always wonder, how do you not know your husband's a serial killer? I just be, I just, I'm very perplexed about that. Kind of strange, like laundry day, like any, like it just, it's just kind of weird. Um, a Mississippi poultry plant said it had no idea a 16 year old boy who was killed in an on the job accident was a minor. So these poultry plants are still hiring underage kids, I see. Um, heat wave is still going on New Zealand had a a gunman open fire at a construction site at around the world women's world cup is still calling herself running for president. Ukraine is preparing to fight Africa or something. I'm not sure how this is going. news is this Carly stuff here. Housewives of Atlanta, Nene's son was arrested on fentanyl possession, and he lied and told the cops that he was his little brother. That's messed up, but not shocking. You know, I was watching Quarterback on Netflix, and I was just looking at you know these rich kids as growing up and. For me, growing up as a rich kid, like I saw Mahomes take his kids to a pumpkin patch and it was like they were the only people there. And I'm like, man, that's kind of boring because, you know, when you're a kid and you go to the park, when you have siblings, the whole point of going to the park is to for me to like find other friends besides your siblings to play with. Like It's got to be lonely to be rich sometimes, especially as a kid. I ain't gonna lie. 
Jayla was mad because she couldn't get into a gym today. So she said F you to the paparazzi. As rich as y'all are. Like, that gym owner is going to be pretty upset. Like, I could have had JLo in here. The Iron Sheik died of cardiac arrest. That WWE guy. Celebrity news is, oh, today's Wendy Williams' birthday. Shout out to Wendy. How you doing? She's 59. Oh, Wendy, somewhere doing okay, man. Wendy, you know, she really just, I don't know what went on with her, but the drugs eventually, the drugs and the drinking caught up. Let's see. Men, how do you feel when your girlfriend wife posts a thirsty photo? I can tell you right now my husband doesn't like it. Um, He'll let me live like it's my birthday or something, but he's not a fan at all. Um, I curtailed a lot of my thirsty photos when I got married. Somebody said, one of my exes did this. She started posting pictures of herself half naked doing pole dances and guys would constantly DM her. She openly admitted to me that she does it for herself, but then in the same breath said, I like the validation. It makes me feel good. I said to her, so I should be okay with other men looking at your half naked body and DMing you, but you're not okay with me adding other women on Instagram because it makes you uncomfortable to which she replied that's completely different and he said he eventually broke up with her yeah i mean thirst traps or whatever but i don't like i personally don't like dms um and and this is why i can never be in that kind of business because i don't actually like men ogling me like that's why i could never be like one of these women that get paid for doing sexual stuff because I don't I don't I don't get off on that it's weird to me um I would date someone who did that everyone decides their own boundary and for me this would be a fundamental incompatibility At what age did you stop going to clubs? I stopped going to clubs the last time it was a shootout in front of the club. And I was like, I'm not going to die for some bass. Then I love bass and music and dancing, but the clubs now are so dumb. Like everybody wears shades. Everybody's too cool to dance. But secondly, the clubs I like to go to, you could possibly get killed. So I would say I was probably about 26 when I stopped going to the club. A lot of people are saying 20. Um, I went to the clubs a lot when I was in the military too. So, cause it was literally when I was in Korea, there was like nothing else to do but go to the clubs. So I went to the club like every weekend. So when I first came home from the military, I was kind of like clubbed out. Like I didn't even want to club anymore. A lot of people are saying 20s, 22, 23. And I know a lot of old people that still go to the club. Somebody said, 28 now, haven't stopped, still seeing myself continuing until I drop. There you go. You gonna find some old heads up in the club. You know, it's to each his own. Like, if I was a bachelorette or something like that, I would, I don't know. I'm too scary. I ain't gonna lie. I don't want to get killed. Sitting on public toilet seats? No.
Somebody says, I do. Squatting is unnecessary and bad for your pelvic floor. Girl, please. I do, and I really hate when women squat and spray and leave piss drops all over the seat. Girl, you better squat and get over it. I sit on one side and lift on the other. Life is about taking everything in moderation. You might as well sit on the whole thing. Sitting on one side and lifting on the other. Somebody say, yeah, I do. I shower when I get home anyway, so why not? Because in that little time, you've gotten so many germs on y'all. Any women here go through the fret, the phases of please don't touch me down there? Yes. I mean, why, you know? Women, we're so... Like, I know for me, too, like, I don't, like, I have to be in the mood to be like that. And, like, if I'm tired, it's just not on my brain. So, I'm sure, I mean, most women not do, I would I would think. But this lady says, there are monthly hormonal stages that can make you feel this way. A lot of women are really horny during ovulation, so it's definitely normal. Sometimes, but I think my reasons are different from yours. For me, it happens every now and again if I'm having a low confidence day. Like, I don't want him to feel how stubbly it is. And I mean, yeah, like, women, we're such mental creatures, like I said. And if we don't feel sexy, and, and I mean, you know, kudos to my husband and men that still find their wives or partners sexy at all times. Like, for us, like, we literally have to feel, we have to feel like it. And yeah like being a woman is just so much mental gymnastics it can be tiring but let's get into these story times this story is about a girl that she was pimped and she was pimping and she was all that so let's get into her story to learn the routes so once i learned the routes i called called my little friends that liked me and stuff on Facebook and I let them know like oh do you want to make extra money this is this this is that and so they were just like yeah so I go pick them up and I put them down money starts coming in I learn how to post them I post them on Craigslist Backpage Redbook Meet Me all kind of all kind of websites that I can put them on just so I can make money and the money was flowing in and I got addicted so I started getting addicted, and I, that's when I started pressing um, Crystal hard. I started slamming it. I started smoking it. started sniffing it. Whatever I can do with Crystal, I did it. I uh, cheated it up, up, you know, up back there, and I just, anything to get a, a high so I can be okay with it, you know? And as a woman, I couldn't be in the car it would be suspicious. So I used to dress as a prostitute and go down and, you know, be around the girls. And in order to stay warm, I had to do other drugs. So I did crack. And I was naked, always naked, and out there and just watching everything that goes down, collecting money, selling drugs, and, you know, maneuvering. So one day I got kidnapped. I got kidnapped by a pimp named Kelly in Pomona, California. And he pistol with me. He took me to his house in LA and he was, he tried to force me to hoe for him. But the thing is that he didn't want me to hoe. He wanted me to steal. He didn't want me to sell myself. He wanted me to pretend so he can steal and I can steal from them. And he used to, he used to beat people like bloody murdered. And I was like writing for my life every day. Like I used to 
almost used the bathroom on myself, number two, because I was so scared. Like, I was on the street and he was parked right there. Like, there was nowhere for I can move. Like, you know, nothing. So one day he got comfortable. After two weeks, he got comfortable and took me back to Pomona. Right when I got to Pomona, I called my old foster brother and I'm like, look, I'm here in Pomona. Come get me. He comes and he gets me. So when he comes and gets me, he asks me like what happened and I'm telling him like I'm describing the guy, describing the car and everything. Come to find out that it's his cousin. <clears throat> his cousin saw me one day and he was just like, I want her and I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to get her. So when he finds out it's his cousin, they end up fighting in the street, boom. We all go to jail. I go to jail and I get released and I go home to Compton, California. And I started gangbanging again and I started really like selling drugs and pimping and doing all this kind of stuff and to get money. And my family started disowning me. When they started disowning me, I started slanging to my family. Like I started giving my family drugs and you know, doing it like that. And <clears throat> then um, I started I started pimping on my little sister. She was 15 years old and she wanted to hold, so I, I had her holding for me. You're hold, you're how old now? Me? I was 21 at the time. You were 21. Yes, and she was she was no, I was 18 and she was 15. Got it. So so we're I'm I'm selling her, me, me, my guy friend, and her we're thugging it. Then we started getting more females. And Gina, my little sister runs away and she doesn't come back. She goes back home and she's a pregnant and I'm still doing me. Then my other girl leaves me because she got ran over by a car and she felt like I didn't care. So now I'm here. I'm slanging dope in the in the riverbed. I'm sleeping in tents. I'm cracked out of my mind. I'm like just so crystal out of my mind. I'm, li- I'm going from garage to garage to garage and hotel to hotel to hotel, tent to tent to tent. It all in Norwalk Riverbed by the Green Line Station. So then one day my friend hits me up and he's like, oh, I got a girl for you. So I go to Southgate and I meet this girl. She tells me she's 18 years old. At this time, I'm 21. So she tells me she's 18 years old and that she wants a hoe. So we started doing it. I got her hooked on crystal meth. And so we're getting high as hell. Me and her end up falling in love with each other. And after we fall in love with each other, I'm like, hey, I don't want you hoeing no more. She was just like, well, this is the only way to make you happy. So I'm going to go ahead and hoe. So we're, she's hoeing and we're doing this whole thing. Well, one day I get pulled over by the police and they find my gun in my car and they take my best friend to jail. They take him to jail and then when they ID her, they find out that she's missing. She's been missing. So me not thinking because I'm so high and I'm never, haven't been to sleep. So I'm delusional. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, why are you taking, this is my girl and whatever not. They were just like, well, either we take her or we take you. And I'm like, why would you take her? They were like, well, she's 17 years old. And I'm like, well, take her then. Like, I'm not going to go to jail. So they take her. And so she hits me up and tells me I'm all, I'm messed up that she, she's being raped by her, her dad and that I need to come get her. Well, I can't come get you. So I leave her where she's at. So I end up billing my best friend out and we're in his garage and I get a phone call from the girl. And she tells me like, oh, I need you to you to meet, meet up with me. I got money for you and all this. Now me, I'm so money hungry and so delusional, I go. So when I go over there, we're talking and I fall into her trap that, you know, like I started answering questions that I shouldn't have answered. All I got from this whole conversation is that 
crack makes you warm when you're cold listen don't do drugs kids what a little wild life this girl's had stood up the whole night trying to get the rope off my wrist but unfortunately the ropes are bound too tightly and she can't free her hands but she needs to keep going no matter what I decided I needed to move and get out of there, so I went underneath that barbed wire fence and I hopped about three steps and I fell. My feet got tangled up in the, the bushes and I just stayed. I couldn't, I didn't have the strength. Hold on one second because that was part three. This is just a girl that has like this black eye that was in this family portrait. Let me go to part one. This family picture hides the most disturbing secret. The girl in the back is 15-year-old Norma Countryman. She's surrounded by her loving family. But look carefully. She's the only person who appears nervous, and her left eye is swollen. A few days before this photo was taken, Norma was tied to a tree, with ropes around her hands, feet, and mouth, and left for dead. Two months earlier, and only 30 minutes from where Norma lives, 14-year-old Diane Gilchrist leaves her house to go to school and is never seen again. Two days later, 19-year-old Gloria Knudsen goes missing. Her skeletal remains are later found near Lake Lagamus. July 11, 1974, just two weeks before Norma's photo was taken, Krista K. Blake is last seen getting in a blue Ford van, the same blue van that would later lead to Norma's nightmare. Considered one of the worst serial killers to ever prey on women. They don't have evidence linking him to all of the suspected murders. As months pass, more young girls continue to vanish, with no arrests being made, until, against all odds, 15-year-old Norma Countryman survived Washington State's most notorious serial killer. There are so many other people that matter. I'm here for them. In the quiet town of Ridgefield, Washington, 15-year-old Norma Countryman lives with her mom, stepfather, and siblings. May 29, 1974, only a 20-minute drive from where Norma lives, 14-year-old Diane Gilchrist disappears on her way to school. Investigators follow every possible lead to try and find the missing girl, but to no avail. After months of investigations, the case grows cold. July 17, 1974, three months after the disappearance of Diane, Norma has just finished eighth grade and is excited to be on summer vacation. She lives with her family in a more secluded part of town, so she can't get around much without a car or a long walk. Around 4 p.m., Norma wants to go to the store and see some friends. I guess I was having a bad day, maybe bickering with my sister, but my stepdad was heading into town, and I said, can I go with you? He agrees to drive her all the way to the main street, and Norma gets dropped off at the town's convenience store. She talks with friends, and after finishing purchasing some items, begins to walk home. She does this walk all the time, there's plenty of daylight, and normally no reason to worry. I walked up the main street and out of town, and I saw this van come out of town. And he did that whole double take, brake check thing. And I thought to myself then, I should just get up and walk away, just go home. I didn't do it. Fateful decision, I didn't do it. A blue 1974 Ford van drives beside her, quickly pulls forward, and then slams on the brakes. She hears a man's voice calling out, trying to get her attention. He was asking questions. Do you want to go for a ride was the first one. Well, no, thank you. I, I don't go for rides. But the man is persistent. He asks for cigarettes, marijuana, and keeps pestering her with questions, anything to get her from walking away. 
The teen has an uneasy feeling of danger, but at the same time, she's getting tired of the walk home, and in a split second, Norma decides to accept the ride. As soon as she gets into the car, she instantly regrets it. Stupid. Get into the van with a stranger when you're not supposed to, and that's what I did. They drive down the road in the direction of Norma's house, when all of a sudden, he makes the wrong turn. She tells him he has made a mistake and to turn around, but he doesn't listen. They pulled off the road into like this little meadow with, with bushes on both sides and got out of the van. And then he came in the door behind me and he put a knife to my throat. And that's when the disbelief started. He tells her to take off her clothes, saying he'd kill her if she refuses. She follows his demands, trying not to upset him. He takes off her bra and uses it to bind and gag her. She is bound to the back of the van and, and lies helpless. The man gets back in the driver's seat, starts the vehicle's engine, and drives off. I can't tell you how long we drove around. All I know was I was terrified and I knew that bad things were going to happen to me. He continues to drive until the sun goes down. The man turns off into a remote road, far away from any of the main highways. He goes deeper into a dense, wooded forest. To a person unfamiliar with the area, they could have easily gotten lost, but this man seemed to know exactly where he was going. Suddenly, he brings the vehicle to a stop and unlocks the door. And then he got out, came into the back through the side door, um, carried me out of the van, carried me into the wood. She knows not to yell or scream because the man threatens her with a knife. He forcefully leads her deeper and deeper into the forest. He stops in front of a large tree at this moment, the man pulls out several robes. Norma is in shock, begging him to let her free. She doesn't know if anyone is looking for her or if she will ever see her family again. But the man ignores her and begins to bind her to the tree. He looped a rope around my head and tied it to the tree. And then he looped another rope under my knees and tied it to another tree. All of a sudden, the man becomes angry, punches her across the face and forces himself on 15-year-old Norma he hit me so hard, I swear to God, I felt start. It went on all night long. After hours, he finally stops. It's now around 4 a.m. in the middle of the night. She is still tied between the two trees, ropes around her mouth, hands, and feet, unable to yell or move. Norma is exhausted, but she doesn't want to close her eyes, afraid of what might happen, of what the man might do to her next, as he just stands there silently. The teenager looks up at the stars above her, looking for any hope in sight. At that moment, against all odds, he starts to walk away, slowly. Norma sees him going further and further into the forest, back the way they came. This is the first time she's alone. She doesn't know if he is coming right back to kill her, or if he left her there to die. But either way, time is running out. When she finally can't hear his footsteps anymore, she knows this moment might be her only chance to escape. However, she's still completely restrained and struggles to move as the ropes are tightly wrapped around her. But suddenly, an idea. The rope around her mouth might be possible to chew off, and if she can free her neck from the tree, then she could hop away. Norma starts to gnaw at the rope, trying to break it down as quickly and quietly as possible, fearful he might return any minute. And then finally, after biting down with all her strength, the rope around her neck breaks. My head fell free, I got on my knees and I picked up the rope that was connecting me to that tree. And when it broke, I got up on my feet and I hopped away. I hopped right out this way to the path and I looked back the way he brought me and I went this way. 
Norma, with her hands and feet still tied, struggles to move in the opposite direction from where she came. Going deeper into the forest, Norma knows that if the man doesn't find her, she could have a chance at survival. The sun is almost rising, and the young girl, with her legs and hands still bound tightly, keeps going until she reaches the edge of the woods. She sees a large open field surrounded by a barbed wire fence. Big field, and cows, no houses, nothing around at all. I heard noise in the wood behind me, sounding like somebody was looking for something but trying to be quiet. Norma stands still, not moving a muscle. The sound from the forest grows louder. Someone is approaching her. She doesn't move. Suddenly, the noise stops. I bet I stood there for two hours after the sound stopped and didn't move. Just waiting, scared to death. He was waiting to hear me move. I stood up, stood up the whole night, trying to get the rope off my wrist. But unfortunately, the ropes are bound too tightly, and she can't free her hands, but she needs to keep going, no matter what. I decided I needed to move and get out of there, so I went underneath that barbed wire fence, and I hopped about three steps, and I fell. My feet got tangled up in the, the bushes, and I just stayed. I couldn't, I didn't have the strength to get up. The young girl falls unconscious. She hasn't had any sleep, food, or water, and is badly wounded. If she doesn't get medical attention soon, she is likely not to make it out alive. Another hour goes by, and Norma is still asleep. Until miraculously, she wakes up and summons the little strength she has left to push forward. She untangles her legs out of the bushes and hops through the field. She sees a large building in the distance. Made my way down here to this door. And I tried to open it. Door was locked. Couldn't get it open. There was a clock on that wall right there. The clock said 10 minutes to 7. She is alone and now too weak to stand. Her knees buckle and Norma falls on the steps of the building. I just sat down on the step. And I didn't sit there very long, just a few minutes. And I heard a vehicle coming up the drive out of sight. And I wanted to just get up and run. The headlights shine on her face. The vehicle gets closer and closer. Norma worries that he has finally found her. The vehicle stops right in front of her, and the engine is turned off. The door opens. A man steps out and walks toward Norma. It is still too dark for her to see him. She can't tell if it's the same man. She struggles to get up. Her whole body is weak and can't move, knowing she has done absolutely everything she possibly can. She surrenders. And I think at that moment I gave up. I just thought... If it's him, it's him. There's nothing I can do. I can't do anything else. And I just started crying. And I sat forward and showed him my wrist. And that's when the man takes out a knife and cuts off the rope. Norma looks up in shock. It is not the man who abducted her, but instead, a park ranger. He just came up and with this look of puzzlement on his face like, what the heck? The park ranger realizes that something terrible has happened and calls the police. When they arrive at the crime scene, Norma tells them all the details she can remember and bravely recounts her whole ordeal. She knows they need to act quickly because the attacker is still on the loose. As news makes its way through the community, one thought comes up. If Norma escaped, what happened to Diane Gilchrist, the other young girl who went missing three months earlier? In fact, after police listened to Norma's story, they realized that this attacker might be responsible for the disappearances and unsolved cases of over five young girls in the area. As everyone breathes a sigh of relief for the safe return of Norma Countryman, there is no happy ending.
One person who can't forget about all the missing girls is Norma herself. She struggles with the idea that she made it out alive, but other victims are still out there, and the attacker is free. She is fearful that he will kidnap another girl, so she works with the police and gives them all the information possible. The teenager remembers the exact kind of vehicle she was abducted in. Police bring photographs of multiple possible suspects to Norma, but she does not recognize any of them. Without much else to go on, she feels helpless that she can't provide more information to investigators, and her case grows cold. But when things feel like they couldn't get any worse, 18-year-old Carol Valenzuela goes missing in the area. One month later, Martha Morrison, 17 years old, also disappears. As months pass, more young women continue to vanish, all the cases eerily similar to one another, with no arrests being made. Norma starts to blame herself for not being able to stop them, and starts to isolate herself, falling into destructive behaviors. But everything changes on October 1st, 1974, when a young girl is found on the side of the highway. She is completely naked, bleeding from her chest, but she's still alive. She's quick. That's crazy, man. Um, they did catch the dude, but I'm like, her family made her take that family picture after that. I mean, I'm glad I'm, I get y'all glad she's home, but dang uh let's end on this guy who's talking about how his homeboy got turned out this is crazy this is part two of how my homeboy got turned out Turn on. yo i'm gonna tell y'all a story about how my homeboy got turned out so i was about 15 and i had a homeboy who was 17. his name was velvet Velvet was dark skinned, like dark like Wesley Snipes, you hear me? He had green eyes though. He was about about five ten, almost five eleven. But he was a ladies man, you hear me? Ladies used to look at his eyes and get mesmerized, you hear me? I'm talking about he could talk a female out her panties before she put them on in the morning. So one day, on the weekend, Vim also played basketball too. He was on the basketball team. So, Velvet asked me one day, he was like, hey, man, what you doing this weekend? I'm like, shit, I ain't got no plan. I will go to my granddaddy's house out there in North Memphis. You hear me? But I was like, shit, I think I'm going to stay home. What's up? He said, hey, man, you try to slide over here with me and my girl, her friend in town. You know what I'm saying? She ain't got no man. I said, yeah. So, I go over there that night. You hear me? We all having a good little time. We playing the Xbox 360. 360. So we playing the Xbox 360 and all that, you hear me? And they like, shit, I'm trying to get high. So at the time, Velvet and his girlfriend smoked weed. You know? I didn't participate in the weed or none of that. It just wasn't my style. You know? But I did, you know, smoke weed probably like three years, four years ago. But anyway, so it wasn't my style. So I'm just sitting there, you know what I'm saying? Me and the, me and the chick, we over here on the couch. We ain't no going to the bedroom. You know what I'm saying? Do what we do. So anyway, we 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 get done all that we we back on the couch in the living room and Vevin and his girlfriend just looking up at the sky, high as hell, hold the hands like this and laughing, you hear me? So we like, damn, alright. So we end up dipping that night, you know what I'm saying? He got him a little cootie coo, little cutty, you hear me? He got in that pocketbook and got some change, you hear me? So we high fast and we talking all about it and all that. So you know what I'm saying? We go ahead to go to our houses. And then we link up the next day. So, Vel was like, shit, man. What you trying to do? At this point, it's Sunday. 
I'm like, shit, I mean, we can mob around. You know what I'm saying? That's what we call walking. We can mob around the hood, do what you want to do. So he was like, all right. So while we mobbing, we see his brother. His brother, RJ, is a local but big drug dealer. You know what I'm talking about? He sell cocaine and he sell weed. So everybody knows RJ. Everybody knows everybody. So we ran into RJ. We like, man, what's up with it? So you know what I'm saying? He dapping me up. You know what I'm saying? Give a brother a hug. Asking us what we getting into. So I'm like, shit, we just mowed around enjoying the Sunday. What you finna get into? Watch part two. This is part two of how my homework got turned out. We linked up with RJ. RJ was like, shit, y'all trying to roll with me? You hear me? So we like, hell yeah, we go get on us some hoes. So he like, shit, get up in the car. So Vivian let the seat, you know what I'm saying? It was a two-seater, because at the time, RJ had like this black-on-black regal. And it was a two-seater, so Vivian slid the look, you know what I'm saying, the seat up. I hopped in the back. It was black-on-black, black-ass windows. The inside was like that little furry black, you hear me? Like it's black, but it felt like fur. And then the outside was like a candy chrome black. But anyway, um, so... We driving, you hear me? We don't know where the hell we going. I'm talking about we got the window down, you hear me? We hopping down on females. RJ doing donuts sometimes. And so, it was a good day. So, we pull up to this house out here in Westwood. So, what we was at was in Fraser, which is in North Memphis. And we drove probably like 35 minutes to Westwood, which, was, which is down there on the borderline of Mississippi and Memphis. So we pull up to this house. I'm talking about it was in a nice ass neighborhood. You hear me? And the whole time we driving, RJ not telling us where we going. You hear me? So we found out shortly that we was at his plug house. And when I'm telling this house, you wouldn't even suspect it. it wasn't too big. It wasn't too fancy. It didn't have no fancy cars in the down driveway. I mean, it had a Lexus. And I think it had like a, what's that? A Lexus. And I'll probably say like an expedition. You know, back in the days, everybody had expeditions. So, RJ, RJ hops out the car. He's like, I'm going to be right back. We're like, all right. So, we had the radio up. You know what I'm saying? Because RJ had the 12s in the back. So, we, you know what I'm saying? We, mm, 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 mm. So, we're like, okay, okay. So, RJ peep his head out the door. He's like, hey, man, turn it down. So, turn it down. So, we're like, all right, say left. So we just sitting there talking, you know what I'm saying? Got the music in the background, like a movie. You hear me? So all of a sudden, we see that bad little bitch come out the house. I'm talking about bad finger looking good. Need to be on the KLC commercial. You hear me? So I just like, shit, I'm finna hop down on it. I said, shit, nigga, might move up, move up. Let me get in the passenger seat. You feel me? So it look like this is our car. So when we parked there, we parked in front of the house, and we see this red bone walk, walking down the street. So we right here, she walking down the street. So, Vail was like, shit, man, what's up, what's up? So, he get to rapping with her and she, you know what I'm saying? She had a gorgeous ass smile. So, he got her number. You feel me? So, they like, all right, we can link up later. The whole time, she thinking this is car. And her name was Sade. So, remember that. Brother name, RJ. Velvin, Sade. Watch part three. I'm going to slap him, but we going to watch part three, but I'm sick of him already. Fine. Part three, I had my homeboy got turned out. So after RJ dropped us back off in the hood after we left the plug house, they were like, shit, what you finna do? I'm like, shit, I'm finna go up in the crib and watch Burning Mac. Who you with? 
So he was like, I don't feel like to shot eight. So I'm like, all right. So about a week or two passed, he knocks up on my door. He's up the door, you know what I'm saying? He tells her good morning, kisses on the jaw, runs to the room. He like, man, guess what? Guess what? I'm like, man, what is it? He like, man, how come shot eight? It's the plug's little sister, you feel me? My brother's plug is her big brother. Damn, for real. He's like, yeah, and she 20 years old. You know, she ain't even no teen. Shot at 20. I'm like, damn, okay. Okay, he's 17. I'm 15. I'm like, okay, then. So he like, man, damn, bro. I knew I looked him. Like, shit, yeah, okay, okay. So he was like, but she told me, keep it on the low because she doesn't want what we doing to affect what her brother and my brother got. I'm like, shit, you know what I'm saying? That makes sense. So I remember, like, yesterday, the last day of school, you feel me? And like I told y'all, Sade thinking that his brother's car, the RJ car, is his car. And that motherfucker was fresh as hell, you feel me? So she thinking that's his car. So she hitting in my ass up, like, she, you know what I'm saying, come pull up on me tonight. So he's like, all right, I got you, baby. So he ends up asking RJ, can he use the car? So RJ like, nah, not today, little bro. You know what I'm saying? I got something to do in the morning, early in the morning. I don't need you driving the car. So he's like, damn, bro, I ain't gonna fuck it up. He's like, nah, bro, you know what I'm saying? Wait till after tomorrow when I get done doing what I need to do, I let you get the keys. You feel me? He's like, bro, you really need a car. You feel me? Because RJ had two whips. Really, he had three. One of them was getting worked on. He had like a 2004 Malibu or a 2004 Malibu. And then he had the Regal. He like, shit, take the keys to the Malibu, you feel me? And I'll let you drive the Regal tomorrow. So, RJ, he smokes weed and he snorts powder. So, he end up passing out on the couch. You hear me? So, how come Velvet ends up sneaking his keys? He waits 10 minutes to see if he gonna wake up. He sneaks his keys and he goes to Westwood to pick up Sade. So, when he pick up Sade, he takes her to Disciplin, which is a 24-hour spot that you eat at. That shit fire as hell. So, he gets, the, he gets them something to eat. And then they end up driving to the park. You hear me? Near um, downtown Memphis, I think. Yeah, near downtown Memphis. I think on Riverside. So how come they end up fucking in a two door? I don't know how the fuck they fucking up in the down two door. They motherfuckers smart, but they end up fucking. So as they fucking, they see a car pull up with the headlights. You hear me? So they hurry up putting on their clothes. And mine, watch part four. No, we ain't watching part four, idiot. I hate these people sometimes. And came across this classic episode. Too funny. Thank you for joining us. Now, Quintella has a little secret that she would like to share with you. Well, Mary, I know you have an idea that, well, we call him Bam. I know you have an idea that Bam is sleeping, was sleeping around, and I was the one. An idea. An idea. <laughs> Honey, you weren't fooling me. I knew it all along. No, I wasn't. But I just had to put my hand on it. I had to put my hand on it. No, I wasn't you know, fooling you. He was fooling you because I don't have nothing to hide from you. I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to agree to anything with you. He have to. He have to answer to you. I don't. Well, that's the fact there. I can agree with you on that, but I tell you this. What you were really doing was wasting your time. Well, not really, because as yes, long were. as he was giving me his money, I was all oh right. Oh, my God. He was giving you money, honey? Sure was. How would he be able to give you money when I'm getting it all? Oh, don't believe that. Don't believe that. 
everything. Well, as long as he's taking care of me and my child, I wouldn't say that I was getting everything. Because that really doesn't count. Well, why did you, you want to tell Mary today? Huh? Why did you want to tell Mary? Because he feel to believe that he can keep doing it without anybody finding out. I don't mess with him no more, cause it really, so it really doesn't matter. Because I have somebody. And you so, think you can... one thing, you because can prove that you were with him? Huh? Can you prove that you were with him? Yes, I can. How? Because for one thing, when he has sex, he sweats a lot. <laughs> Trust he does. He sweats a lot. Sweat. It's a certain way that he sweat. When he sweats. Okay. All right. Wait a minute. Are you ready to are you ready to meet Joseph? Come on, Jeff Joseph. He's coming. you share with Joseph what you just shared with us and with Mary? I told Mary that man you was fooling around. Y'all, the Ricky used to be this messy. And no, I don't sweat when I'm having sex. So I don't know what y'all doing right or wrong. Or maybe I'm doing something wrong. I don't know. But I don't sweat when I'm in sex. And I can't believe Ricky was that messy back then. I thought Jerry Springer. Maybe I was too young to understand. But the whole music and everything. And this is what we got today, y'all. And I'm still mad at that dude with that long-winded story. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to try to vet better tomorrow because this was a disappointment. Is it in yet? It's out of here.